what did you eat for breakfast? Uh, I had egg whites with spinach on toast. You are listening to the Music on Your Own Terms podcast. Business, This episode is sponsored by the Skinny Armadillo Print Company located in Fort Worth, Texas. Now, due to the current situation, with all live music being essentially stopped, it'll come as no surprise to many people listening to this show that musicians and especially their support crew and management teams have found their income dramatically reduced. That's why the Skinny Armadillo has set up a website to support artists called Music for Good. You can purchase a specially designed t-shirt for this cause and $10 from that t-shirt will be donated to any band or artist of your choice. You can also donate money as well as purchasing the shirt. All you need to do is go to musicforgood.itemorder.com. That's musicforgood.itemorder.com. And of course, there'll be a link to the website on musiconyourownterms.com with the show notes and also in the social media posts for this episode. Make sure you stay up to date with the podcast, including finding out who I'll be interviewing next by signing up for the mailing list at musiconyourownterms.com. There, you'll also find show notes for every episode, some pretty cool videos to check out from various guests, and also links to their music and social media if you want to find out more. While you're there, don't forget to take a peek at the store and pick up something for your grandma. And finally, I'd really appreciate it if you leave a review on iTunes because that really helps the podcast get in front of more people just like you who want to learn from the successes, strategies, and failures of artists and entrepreneurs that I talk to. I really feel that the information coming from those guests is exceedingly valuable for the musicians community and anyone wanting to pick up tips from other people's experiences. Welcome to episode 55 of the Music on Your Own Terms podcast. Before we get going, I'm thinking about trying out a monthly Q&A live stream on Instagram, Facebook Live, and maybe Podbean Live. I would have a guest or two join me, we could have some type of roundtable discussion, and then also take questions from the audience about a different topic each month. So reach out and let me know what you think, if this is something that would be of value, and also, if you're interested in coming on as a guest yourself. So joining me this episode from New York is MerchCat founder Vanessa Ferrer. We discuss what tools the MerchCat app provides artists to succeed in their merch business, how Vanessa got her start, and how that transformed into working with artists and eventually developing MerchCat itself. Vanessa and I talk about the various technology challenges, what is important for bands to do to stay engaged with their fans, and she also shares her top tips for selling merch during the COVID-19 situation. 
Make sure you take plenty of notes during this episode because there is a ton of awesome information. All right, welcome to another episode of The Music on Your Own Terms. I'm joined today by Vanessa Ferrer, who is the founder of MerchCat. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And you're based out of New York, so uh, hopefully everything's going well. Yep. It's, so uh, far, so good? So far, so good. Um, the sun is out today, which is nice. It was snowing mm-hmm. just a few hours ago in the <laughs> wee right. middle of the night in the middle of May, so that was interesting, but... Yep. Now the sun is back out. It's still chilly, though. Mm-hmm. It's still not May temperatures, right. but exactly. we'll get there eventually. Cool. All right. So yeah. just for everyone um, everyone that's listening, uh, could you talk about what MerchCat is? So MerchCat is a platform for music artists to sell and manage merchandise at live shows. So it's something that an artist would use at their merch table. Mm-hmm. to take credit cards, track inventory in real time as sales are being made, and um, to also create venue settlement sheets that tell you what you sold at what show. So it tracks um, inventory in real time and sales at shows, your sales in general, and kind of gives you an overall picture of how your merchandise business is doing. Now, we also um, have a direct-to-fan app where that same merchandise can be sold directly to fans in their own app. And uh, fans can either select to pick it up at the merch table or ship it home. So it can act as a Mm pre-sale mechanism. Um, It could help uh, bolster sales during the show for fans who don't want to wait in line. They can order and then pick it up. Or they could select ship to home if the artist wants to do shipping. Or for those oh shit moments, I really wish I would have bought that after a fan leaves the show, Mm. they can go back in, purchase, and then have it shipped to their home. So this is all at the artist's discretion. It's controlled through their MerchCat app. And um, there's one central place for sales and inventory, whether or not, you know, the artist sold it at their own merch table or the fan bought it in the fan app. So pretty much our goal, you know, platform wise and company wise is really just to be that answer to where do we get merch? How do we manage it? And then how do we further engage our fans with it so we can keep our sales increased? Awesome. And keep making money with merch. Obviously, that's a bit of a challenge now. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so you have some like if you if you just had like a regular Square app, it, it does more stuff than that. It has like extra features that you wouldn't normally have for that type of mer- you know, that type of uh, platform. Right. We're actually partnered with Square, so our point of sale system runs oh, okay. either off of Square or PayPal. Mm-hmm. So if you're already a Square user as an artist, it's really a seamless transition into using MerchCat. You just get that um, that inventory and music-centric type of analytics and tracking. It's really attuned to artists, which I've seen the Square reports. I sometimes have trouble understanding what's going on in them. So I don't feel right. like, you know, and obviously it was made... For everybody, Square is. Yeah, it's for all, all types of vendors. So artists, I feel like they need some some very specific 
metrics and understanding of what's happening in the merch business. So sure. we, we, we definitely go beyond what, what Square or PayPal would offer. Awesome. Um, yeah. And so, you know, ba- based on what's going on now, I mean, obviously, is, is this more geared towards the touring musician or can like someone who's like a home recording type artist that doesn't tour, you know, they don't do live shows. They really uh, are more, you know, online only musicians. Does that benefit? Is that, you know, what kind of benefits would that kind of artist have? Well, the, the primary benefit would be rooted in the fan app mm-hmm. for artists who are not having that in-person interaction because the, Merch Cat app in its essence was built to solve the problem of artists not keeping track of their merch sales at shows. Okay. Live shows. So with the fan integration and the fan app, it gives the opportunity to uh, act as an online store. If an artist doesn't have a line, an online store or it can act as a complement to their online store, And the next question that we always get is, do you have a web store widget where you can connect um, to a web, an artist website? And we do not have that feature right now. So the app is basically standalone. But what could be done is if an artist has a web store, they could use MerchCat to record the sales manually. They would just have to take a tally of what was sold Mm-hmm. on the web store and then just input it and they could still keep track of all of their sales, whether it be in person or through the web store right. or the merch cat fan app that sure. way. Um, just the, the merchandise business for artists and fans is really rooted in that emotional mm-hmm. connection that happens at shows. Absolutely. So, and you probably know this, but Prior to our current state of affairs, mm-hmm. 80% or more of merch sales occurred at the live show. Right. So what a web store was doing was very, very minimal. That's why going into this, I felt it was so important to address the solutions for the live show. Like, how do we help artists capitalize on that moment where they have the fan engaged and the fan is psyched about them? Absolutely. So... Um, and hopefully has has uh, is a little under the influence and is a little more fluid with their money too. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they they're loving you. They're yep. maybe a little tipsy, and you can maybe do the suggestive sell at the merch table. Yep, they might see the shiny objects there and buy more than just a T-shirt. You kind of lose that with mm-hmm. the online store. Um, you know, there are definitely ways to engage fans to get them engaged in more engaged in this uh climate but and and drive them to the online store and and to buy merch and i could talk about that a little bit later sure um but yeah primarily the live show is the catalyst okay so we've had to try and do a little bit of pivoting with that um so let's talk about your background a little bit how did you get into um the artist management area. I saw you, you, you founded a company called in focus artist management. I did. Um, and you're a, you're a certified CPA. That's uh, correct. Yeah. <laughs> so you, so you, you're, you're into, uh, um, you started off as, is in the, in the financial world. So how did you transition from the financial world to artist management and now to running merch cap? Well, it's a logical transition, isn't it? <laughs> I'm kidding. 
sure. <laughs> um, so I started my career as a CPA. Um, I was always, as a kid, a very creative person, drawing, uh, writing poetry, writing song lyrics, always waiting for that song to come on the radio, um, and kind of always retained stuff about music, but I kind of did not know what to do with it. And so I went about my life um, going in a direction of a more stable career. I had originally wanted to be a fashion designer. Mm-hmm. My dad was like, you get good grades in school. You're smart. So you're not going to be a fashion designer. You're going to be a doctor or a lawyer or an accountant, something more secure that will provide you a stable career. And so um, I became an accountant and it was torture pretty much the whole way for me. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, muddled through and got my CPA license, which also was torture. And when I graduated college, I, I went through this uh, period of kind of, you know, in retrospect, looking back, I was depressed. I, I felt like I didn't know where I was going. Mm. Um, and eventually I just started working in an accounting firm and then another accounting firm. And once I got out of there, I went to work for a commercial real estate investment firm and I started summering in Newport, Rhode Island and skiing in the winter. And while I was skiing um, up in Vermont, they had bands playing every weekend up at the local uh, bar where everybody would go and hang out after skiing. And I met one of the guys that was in the band and he was actually in an original music band that was releasing music on a New York City indie label. Okay. Um, and the band was from Boston and we kept in touch. And then when the record was released, I started asking them questions like what radio stations are, is the label going to have it put on? How are they marketing it? What, what show are you guys going to tour? Um, what kind of promotion are they doing? And so that kind of led to me ultimately jumping in and helping the band because they didn't have centralized management. They had Mm -hmm. one, the the drummer's father was managing from this coast. The guitar player's father was co-managing from the West coast. And what I saw happening was that there was a lot of inconsistencies and, you know, they would send out like email blasts in like five different fonts and Mm -hmm. broken links to their radio shows and appearances and things like that. Just stuff that would make a fan just not keep trying once our attention spans are short and they keep getting shorter. So it was like, okay, so who's actually making sure that like all of the infrastructure is like tightened up here and um, that the band is capitalizing on all of the opportunities that come their way and and kind of working with the label to make sure that the label's doing what they said they were going to do. And ultimately, I watched this band kind of implode because they missed opportunities, they got discouraged, and it was he said, she said mm. between everybody. But that was when the light bulb went off for me that was like, okay, here's a way that I can 
maybe use my passion for music that I've had kind of suppressed all mm -hmm. this time and my business skills that I had you know, suffered through <laughs> so, right. to, to, to um, obtain. So um, I decided, so that band imploded and they stopped being a band. And I decided from there that I was in grad school at NYU at the time and uh, for commercial real estate finance and investment. And I decided that when I was done with that, I was going to focus on music. So I started building the infrastructure for In Focus. I actually started taking guitar lessons and just kind of like opening my whole world to music. And mm -hmm. if you know anything about music, and I think that anybody that listens to this can agree, it's like once your eyes are opened to music, there's no denying it. No mm -hmm. matter how hard you try, it's going to haunt you it's there it's in you and so mm -hmm. it was kind of my time to start giving that some attention so i built uh i took some classes at berkeley online and started working with an artist and a couple of other one artist uh more focused and and officially some other artists here and there in and out kind of on a consulting basis or just helping Mm -hmm. Um, but I found that it wasn't, it's a business. It should be mm, right. uh, just like any other. And it, it wasn't very hard to navigate. Uh, the hardest part to navigate are personalities when you're dealing with mm -hmm. <laughs> artist relationships. So, um, went through the whole process of branding with my artist, finding his brand, um, from dealing with the graphic designer to selecting merchandise, um, photographs, took him through the whole recording process, finding the studio, working with the producers, releasing the record, um, all of that, and putting together tours and, and that kind of stuff. And through this, one of the challenges I had was actually figuring out what merchandise we were selling and what to reorder. Mm -hmm. And we had a, a big show coming up, a big uh, concert slash charity event. And I was looking for number one metrics. And I had reached out to a couple of other managers and said, hey, what do you use to track merchandise sales? And they sent me Excel spreadsheets. And I sent mm -hmm. it to my artist and said, here, fill this out when you're done with your shows. <laughs> and he sent me back a Word document that said, we sold five smalls of this shirt, you know, 10 mediums of this shirt at this venue. And it was just impossible. Um, and I knew that I started to just get the feeling that if I, as an accountant by trade, was having frustration using all of these reports to put every two and two together, then definitely artists who ran their own merch were having this challenge. And um, with the big show that we had coming up, I also needed somebody to run the merch table because I was going to be running around the venue and his girlfriend who would normally sell the merch and use our PayPal account was wanted to watch the show. So she didn't want to sit at the merch table. So here now I had to hand over my PayPal account mm -hmm. to somebody and entrust that they were going to be doing the right thing. So mm -hmm. There were multiple issues there, right? There was the 
what are what are we selling and what are we you know what sizes what styles are selling what do we need to reorder how can we uh enable somebody else to run the merch table when one of us can't be there and have still have continuity of information um and then just the whole the credit card thing that's why we had to use paypal so and then producing a a report that said what was sold so I kind of tucked that in and it was kind of brewing for a while. Uh, my artist and I were not seeing eye to eye after that show any longer and decided to part ways. And for me, management was always my heart. But now having dealt with two to three scenarios at this point where it was really hurting my heart <laughs> mm. and I was dedicating all of my time to it. I started to think about, okay, I want to stay in the music industry. I want to be impactful, but I don't know that I can continue to do this and drain myself one artist at a time. Right. And so I decided to start pursuing the idea of developing a merchandise management app mm. for musicians. And awesome. through some relationships that I had also in the music industry, out in Atlanta, um, I've been working with uh, Mama Jan Smith a little bit on her uh, some business things that she was working on and, and trying to expand her business. She introduced me to my initial developers and I ran with it with them. And the rest is pretty much history. We've been going ever since. So it took about a year and a half um, to develop. And we launched in December of 2015. And then from there, we originally launched with PayPal because Square didn't have the um, technology for us to plug into where mm -hmm. somebody wouldn't have to step out of our app and go into their app. So we launched with PayPal, but every single artist that I encountered would ask, does this work with my Square reader? <laughs> Mm -hmm. So I had to listen to that and ultimately do the Square integration. We added a bunch of features. Um, we've perfected the inventory management over time. And um, we launched the fan app in 2018. And um, we are currently working on a dashboard that was supposed to be released probably at the beginning to mid-April, which we're holding off on just because I feel like it doesn't make sense to release a big enhancement like that during mm. this time because nobody's going to be paying attention. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's really tough right now. Um, yeah. So that's really cool. Um, so so do, do you, does your app work in um, API codes, like integration that way? So, yeah, so we have API integrations with uh, bands in town. So it pulls in the artist shows automatically mm. into the app so they don't have to type all of their venue information. And then that information gets pulled into the venue settlement sheet. Um, and then with Square, we also have that same type of integration. Excellent. Yeah. So I try. It's There's a lot of ways to plug into different um, technologies that are out there. But the mm. one thing I'm finding, because a lot of this is a learning experience, is that you definitely don't want to 
like have a lot weighing on other people's products. <laughs> yes. So to the extent that we can build things natively, we do with a payment processor. It just didn't make sense for us at this juncture. Um, and bands in town, well, they already have the technology and they're great. So it's, hmm. and that's a pretty simple, it's a pretty simple thing. But as we look at how can we add features, I'm always just kind of like, okay, you know, if we spend all this time and money adding this feature that's already existent in another company and that company decides to make a major change or gets acquired or goes out of business, then we're stuck without that functionality or scrambling to address the changes that they've made. So I'm trying, you know, it's a balance of trying to have all of the features that you want, but also having stability and kind of an, an enterprise type, more enterprise type software sure. where it's dependent on, on what you're doing and not what other companies are doing. Right. Absolutely. So what about something, um, not to get too technical, but what about something like Zapier? Have you experimented with that working with the app form? So you, you basically, you're not familiar with Zapier? No. So essentially what it does is through APIs, you can do, um, it, you know, it, it's like a, a, a yes, no flowchart kind of program where if you have one, let's take email, it connects very well with Gmail. So if you have a um, let's, uh, I, I'm pretty sure it works with square, but there's plenty of platforms that if you collect someone's email address, even, even Gmail, let's say you can take the email address that someone emails you in Gmail and the zap will say, um, add this to MailChimp list and you specify the list. So it's, it's a set of conditions and it works with a whole host of applications rather than, like having, you know, let's say bands in town, bands in town changes their API key or their function and your, your the way your app worked around bands in town now is not functioning. This is Which just has happened, quick... by the way. <laughs> we it, it did happen. Oh, that, that's got to be frustrating. But this is just a quick way of like coding it so you can have this zap that um, is the conduit between you know, app A and app B. And then okay. if something changes in app B, then you can just tweak your, you know, it's not coding. It's just uh, logic. Basically you just create it out of logical, um, you know, functions, and then you can transfer that information from one to the other quite easily. So I just wondered if that was something you'd looked at, but no, I haven't, but does it work for mobile apps? Because a it lot of these... for everything. Okay, I'll I'll have I'll I'll take a look at it. I'll ask my development team to take a look at it and see if if it makes sense. But I wasn't aware of it. Um, yeah, there was another thing way back called like Phone Gap or something where you could be able to develop in Android and, and iOS at the same time. But um, we because of the sensitive nature of our platform because you're handling money and inventory in a real-time live environment, we try and keep everything as native and stable as possible. Sure. But I'll definitely take a look at that. Um, is it Z-A-P-P-I-A? Uh, Z-A-P-I-E-R, I think. 
It's either one oh, P okay. or two P's, but it's it's an E R at the end. Um, yeah, and it's it's I think it's super cool. It's it's just one of those um, you know flow apps that you know kind kind of like uh, Slack. In a way, it works with Slack, okay. so you could take yeah. something from Gmail to Slack through Zap Zapier. Um, but yeah, uh, so you know, on on your app, uh, do um, does it calculate things like tax for different states, or is that something uh, that Square does? I, I I wish I wish it would, um, but that is, I think that the level of user that is, we're kind of in this weird space of i thought i was making it for one level of user mm. but the the person who actually needs to and wants to really dig and utilize this is probably a next level band but still we don't get asked that often about taxes so i basically just tune into what people are asking for and what users are mm. asking for i know that obviously as an accountant um, I know that taxes are or can be important, but because it's usually by municipality, it's mm. not even just a state, it's the city, it could be a, a town, a, a county, um, like here in Westchester, we have New York state tax and we have Westchester county tax, and then mm -hmm. we have a city tax in White Plains. So it's almost, I mean, you could do it by the venue location, but introducing that is just a whole other level of accounting that we're not yeah. quite ready for. I mean, I think I would look to go uh, global with mm. like having foreign currency toggle so that you can be a U.S. based band and go to the U.K. and just switch your pricing and things mm -hmm. like that to work over there and vice versa before I would look at at sales tax but all of these things are definitely on the list for what we want to grow into um one day and sales tax is one of them it's just a big it's not an easy it's not an easy thing as far as i know right yeah i, mean, it, it, I think it's one of the most overcomplicated things in in yeah know, government controlled stuff it's right it's silly. and even on Square, I believe you have to enter the tax rate. Mm. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, unless you can put in a zip code of where a venue is and it automatically plugs in for that show, the tax rate that's applicable, then mm. it's kind of pointless, I feel like. Right. And, yeah. And yeah. I'm sure yeah. there, there might be something that exists that actually pulls that information in. Um, but I haven't really like looked that far into it. We've just had yeah. bigger fish to fry right now. Sure. I mean that 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 also depends if the uh, the municipality is actually knows what they're doing, <laughs> which in a lot of cases probably isn't the case. So right. Um, but and anyway. then and then is the is the artist going to actually file sales tax returns, or is it more for the venue? It depends on whether the right. venue is running the sales. It's it's definitely something that is on the radar, but I feel like mm. we have probably like 10 more pressing things before that. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, but yes, I mean, actually tagging on to what you just said, um, do you have a, an area where, because I know a lot of larger festivals and some venues like House of Blues, for instance, take a cut of the merch. Yeah. Is there a, a place in the app that says, all right, I have to pay, you know, whatever percentage to the venue or is that something you have to work out? On oh, paper? no, no, no. From the beginning, we had uh, venue splits. So okay. um, and then we actually added the differentiation between music and other types of merchandise, because a lot mm -hmm. of times the venue takes a different percentage. So we do have those um, automatically built in. So when you enter your venue information, if you pull it into Bands in Town, then you from Bands in Town, you would just go into that venue, um, mm -hmm. that show date, and then put in the percentages that the venue takes. And then when you generate your settlement sheet, it automatically calculates the amount that you have to give to the venue. Awesome. That, yeah. that, that sounds extremely useful. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the other thing I was going to ask, moving on to the fan app. Yeah. Um, how difficult is it to get buy-in from the fan? Because obviously, you know, you, you have a specific app for your company, whereas you go to see a band let's say you go see four bands and they all have different websites and they're not all on merch cat. Like how, is there a challenge to educating the public to get on this app and downloading it so they can, you know, use the features? Well, we've been more focused on trying to get artists to use it and then give that message to their fans that it's on there. But in all honesty, a lot of the hiccups that we've been running into are just, you know, everybody wants to direct fans to their online store. And mm. quite frankly, I think they're missing the point of using an app. And that is it's easy and it's in real time. I don't want to stand in a venue and log on to somebody's onto the Internet right. and log on to somebody's web store. So sure. um, I, I think fans would be psyched to use it. There's really no downside. It's free. So, um, but convincing an artist of its utility has been a little bit challenging. I think with that though, right now there's the opportunity for artists to utilize this. I feel while they're live streaming, just the way that they mm. would at a live show, because a lot of artists are talking about their merchandise as they're doing a live stream and saying, available on my web store. So again, you're kind of asking the fan to stop what they're doing and go into a web store. If they're watching your live stream, like let's say they're watching their live stream on, on their home computer or their desktop. Now, either they're going to wait till after mm -hmm. they're done, your show is done and then may get pulled in another direction like the whole point of the app was to be able to do it in real time and, you mm. know, immediate access, instant gratification for the fan and, and actually be able to act on a call to action. So with the app, if the app is already on the fan's phone, they could just easily go right into the app. Each artist has their own profile. Mm -hmm. So they could easily find the artist by their name or they could browse all merch that's on the app and go in there and, and purchase. So ideally if four bands were playing together, we would want all four bands to be on the app because then the fan can right, right. put everything in their cart 
and just check out. <laughs> but yeah, what for the fan is is the benefit? Other, I mean, instant gratification, and it's right there. But like, are there any other? I don't know. Maybe some kind of uh, exclusive content that you could add to the app, or maybe a discount code, or um, you know, to your point, if you put everyone's stuff in your cart, then you know, theoretically, you should be saving a little bit of money on the the credit card fees because it's all one transaction rather than four individual ones. Um, like, have you thought about some type of uh, you know, non-monetary currency so you could like pay a pay a um like a monthly fee to save up four points. I think you'd probably need a lot of bands that you like to make it worthwhile. But, you know, if you have that kind of idea where you're paying for points, you eliminate the transaction fees and, you know, it makes it much more uh, for the buyer easy to, to use those credits up and you don't think about the money you're spending. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, we definitely, that's probably like, merch cat fan version 3.0 i mean right. the the initial um goal was to actually just get the artist's inventory into a platform where a fan could purchase so right mm -hmm. now as it stands um the app the allure outside of it being easy for the fan is that they can create a profile it keeps track of all of their orders they mm. can share and to me, this is one of the most fun things about it is that they could share their purchases. So the artist mm -hmm. can actually incentivize the fan and ask them to share the merchandise on it goes directly into Instagram or Facebook. Um, and you can also text it, email it directly from the app. Um, and they can share and help the artist spread the word about their merchandise. Like that was the whole point of, of that piece. Um, I think down the road, we would like to have incentives mm. within the app. So if a fan shares and somebody buys with a link, maybe the fan gets some points to buy more merchandise. Mm. So kind of fan, um, fan incentivized distribution of merchandise and some bells and whistles like that with, you know, like building kind of like a community around mm merchandise within the app um you know liking messaging sure. if you if the kind of the the suggestive sell thing where if you like this artist you might like this artist mm -hmm. um there's a lot of there's a lot of different ideas that i have for the actual fan bells and whistles but initially it was really to help the artist have a way to give fans more ways to purchase merchandise. And then we also provide the um, shipping label and the mailing mm -hmm. um, a, a way to print out. We collect the postage from the fan and we provide the artist with a way to print out a label. And then, so they could just ship it off. And um, we also do collect the fan's email address. Super important. Yeah. Um, was So just out of interest was the, uh, the, the idea of building a community and being able to share your purchase um, inspired by Kevin Kelly's thousand true fans idea. No. You familiar with that? <laughs> um, is that the one where it states that if you have a thousand true fans, you can sustain your career as a musician? It's essentially. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I, no. love the, I love 
love that book. It it wasn't. It was just you know with this whole you know being in merch cat developing it being out there at conferences talking to artists and actually doing panels on fan engagement and things like that it was just like without fans there really is no music mm-hmm. business so tapping into your fans is really the the primary way of ensuring that you have a career going forward right. know your For fans sure. people and I, I didn't really condense it into this one point until I uh, built my workshop. But if I could leave any artist with, with one statement, it's just no one word of wisdom, one statement of wisdom is just know your fans, understand who your fans mm-hmm. are, age, gender, geographical area, and find out what, what they want and mm-hmm. then give it to them. <laughs> right. I mean, as far as merchandise goes, you know, music, you have to be you as a creator. But as far as what type of merchandise, and there are so many ways now to ask the fans what they want. Mm -hmm. If you want to ensure that your, your merch business is really ticking, like it's, it's that simple. Know your fans. For sure. And I, I, I mean, this is an obvious one. But I think at every opportunity people need to be told because I still see bands not doing it. How how important is creating an email list? Okay. <laughs> every <laughs> yep. single conference I speak at, every your email list is your gold. It's your key to connecting to your fans. Social media, yes, you need it. But if Facebook blows up one day, if Instagram goes away, what are you going to do then? How are you going to talk mm-hmm. to your fans? You need a nice way. Place. And 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 the other thing is not only that, is that with these algorithms, Facebook and Instagram decide who sees what you post. So even for myself with MerchCat, I've spent whole days at times coming up with a post to make. And then it's like crickets. And right. A lot of it has to do with, did somebody else have something more interesting than me and I got bumped mm-hmm. in the line? Or did I put too many hashtags or the wrong hashtags? They they shadow box you or there's a, mm-hmm. a term. Um, um, shadow ban. Shadow ban. Think, yeah. 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 And that's happened to me on MerchCat because I was having engagement of double digits even triple digits sometimes on posts and now like i'm lucky if it gets up to 20 on certain things and for Mm -hmm. a while it was like nobody was seeing anything and i realized i did some research on it and i realized it was because i was copying and pasting a set of hashtags and uh, and using them on every post and apparently that's a no-no but back to the point of these other companies decide whether or not your fans see your content so if you want to ensure that your fans hear you and see mm-hmm. everything you want them to see, your email list is the best way to do that. So it's ideally you want to you want to use social media as a way to capture your fans and then drive them to your website, the home base, and then you want to have a way to capture emails. Mm-hmm there and and really every chance that you get so you can control you're in control of of what your fans see absolutely 
Yeah. All right. So what what other um I mean you you alluded to it a little earlier. So what what can artists do to um you know pivot in this time and you know really uh sell their merch and make money rather than you know since they're not touring and you know we're in the situation how can people utilize you know live streaming and all that stuff well i definitely if if you're live streaming you have an audience so you have to use that opportunity and not just asking them to um contribute via venmo um one artist that we did some uh face covers for actually is doing kind of like the Indiegogo uh, formula. So Mm -hmm. they're telling fans, if you donate $10, we'll send you, if you, if you donate $10 or more or for a $10 donation, we'll send you a mask. So essentially you're selling merchandise. You're not straight out just asking for cash and you're selling merchandise. So right. I love that because I feel like it takes a little bit of that discomfort away from an Mm -hmm. artist asking. So I thought that that was kind of a genius idea, but it already, it existed on the pledge music platform and on Indiegogo where you incentivize at certain levels, you know, if you contribute this much, we'll give you X, X and X, but you can utilize that and come up with your own formula and Mm -hmm. announce it on your live streams and experiment with it and see what actually works when you're doing your live stream. So if you donate $10, we'll send you X. If you donate $25, we'll send you a t-shirt because you're sitting on that merch anyway. And they may not necessarily go Mm -hmm. to your web store to purchase it, but now you've, they'll Venmo you, you can give them the t-shirt and mm-hmm. you'll get their information from them, however you get it from them. But I kind of like that idea of the exchange. Right, absolutely. Um, it's, it's just kind of rewording. Uh, it's 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 all about psychology. and Exactly. You know, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, you know, great. Thank you for checking out our live stream. Um, if you donate $25, we'll send you a T-shirt. It's like now you just sold a T-shirt for $25. Right, for sure. <laughs> Without saying, "Oh, we have merch just... for sale on our web store," then the live stream ends and it's over um, right. till the next time. So that was one thing that that really just came to light with a out of a conversation I had with an artist last week. But other than that, you know, along those same lines, is like you can offer deals on your web store right now. Um, try and get rid of that old merchandise. It's mm-hmm. just sitting there not doing anything for you. So discount it. You could do a one one day where you're discounting your entire store. You can do buy one, get one free. You can do buy one, get one half off. You could do buy a vinyl or buy a t-shirt and get a CD or a vinyl and come up with some bundles. Uh, just really get creative with like, either get creative or don't get creative and just offer uh, a lot of the like Shopify lets you put in a discount percent Mm -hmm. or a promo code. Right. So you could also offer a promo code during your live stream that will enable people to get discounted merchandise and make it exclusive only 
to the people who have watched your live stream. Um, awesome. Post pictures with your merchandise, whether mm-hmm. it be you or somebody else. Every single time I've posted a picture of, like, I go to a lot of conferences and I wear my own merchandise. Mm-hmm. Not when people see me like that, but when I'm like, check out these new merch cat shirts we just got. And I have a picture of myself. People are like, where can I buy one? I posted, and even if it's kind of a more organic post, I went out grocery shopping and, you know, covered from head to toe with mask, gloves, Mm. and I had my merch cat hat on and I posted a picture basically saying, like, I'm back from the war (laughs) (laughs) of, of grocery shopping. And people were like, I want one of those hats. So it's the, you know, there's there's a power in suggestion. Mm-hmm. So whether it's direct or subliminal, posting a picture with the merchandise and showing your merchandise in action will likely guarantee to an uptick in sales, even if it's just one or two. But mm-hmm. seeing the merchandise, reminding people that are there, that it's there, it's better than, and I, I do recommend, you know, post the regular pictures of the merchandise and stuff like that. But every once in a while, put a body in it. Um, mm-hmm. Another artist that I did masks for, right when they got them, they posted a picture of themselves wearing the mask. And I think they sold 10, like right from the get go when they first got them that day. So, right. yeah. So there's definitely something to be said for that. Um Ooh. Another thing that artists can do is to introduce new items into their list. If, if there's not a budget for purchasing merchandise, new merchandise, um, in the traditional way, and the artist has some kind of way to uh, produce art, a lot of artists have more than one talent. I know mm-hmm. quite a number of artists who draw and they're selling their they're handmade drawings. They're making them for special occasions. Um, handwritten lyrics are great. People want them and you can attach a nice price tag to that and you can personalize it. You can ask the, the person who's buying it what song they want, or you can do a specific, you could do a specific song, limited amount of, of X song, I'm going to sell 10 of them and attach a price point to it. Or you can do it where you put it out to the fans and ask them what song they want or give them a choice, any song from this record or Mm -hmm. you get the drift, but like introducing these new items that might not cost a lot of cash outlay right now because cash is tight. So if there's something that can be created aside from new music um, and new merchandise that may be more costly. I think that this is like a great time for artists to really put other pieces of themselves or other types of items, exclusive and limited edition items out there. It's essentially what we used to do with pledge music campaigns before that went away. Mm. Right. And offering experiences. Um, it's not specifically a merch item, but it's something that you can sell to your fans. Like, have a Zoom call, sell a yeah. Zoom call <laughs> or sure. a phone call, a FaceTime um, and and keep that connection going. Uh, the next one is we just talked about 
your email list. Now's a great time that if you don't have an email list, start getting it going. And if you do have one, communicate with your fans. Keep the lines of communication open. Don't just go to sleep for the Mm. next two months. Um, Keep the lines of communication open. Like, let them know what you're doing. Let them know when you're having live streams. Let them know where your merch is. Send those emails out. This is a great time to be able to do that where people actually might have time to pay attention to what you're what you're inboxing them with. Um, I, ju- I just wanted to add one that uh, uh, you, you've spoken at CD Baby, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a huge fan of their podcast. I think Chris Robley did one where he uh, he basically said, if you pay for the shipping, I'll ship you two CDs or something like that. So mm-hmm. and I think eventually he did he did end up. Um, he had those suggestive sales at the bottom and add people added stuff to the cut. So I think he actually broke even or made profit on his CDs just by saying, I'll pay, you know, you pay for the seat, you pay for the shipping. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great idea too. Um, pre-selling. So now is the time if you don't have live shows in person where nobody says that you actually have to have the merch sitting in your home, before you put it onto your web store, you can do a pre-sell as long as you're very clear about the timing Mm -hmm. to your fans of when this merchandise might ship. um, You can introduce a new item and pre-sell it. And then if for some reason you put it out there and nobody bites, then you didn't, there was nothing lost and you probably learned something. Okay. My fans don't want this item, (laughs) but um, so pre-sell and then kind of this all rolls up into this point. Now is a great time to strategize and actually sit and think about (laughs) your merchandise business. Mm -hmm. What have we done that worked? What have we done that didn't work? What do we want to do going forward? Like when all of this is over and we do get to be able to tour again, it's a great time to, because there's, there's usually some research involved with strategizing. So there's time now to sit and do that strategizing. Cause a lot of times artists wait till two weeks before they're going on tour to even start to think about it. And that is a bad idea because you end up spending money, more money on rush production, rush shipping. You're not really paying attention to what you're doing. You're more likely to make mistakes and, and kind of just say, all right, screw it. Like we'll just run with it. Even if it's not really what you wanted to do because you're under the gun to make decisions. Like now is a great time to strategize. And I actually have a spreadsheet that I can share um, with anyone who emails me and wants it, where you can lay out like your products, what they would cost, the quantities that you could buy, what you can buy them for, and then your projected selling price. And then you, the profit that you can make, and the return on your investment that you can make. So yeah, now is a great time to strategize so that you're ready to really hit the ground running when things open up again. Cool. Thank you for that. That was uh, a great boatload of information. I think people need to listen to that again, take notes. Uh, I actually wrote a blog that I posted on our website. It was either last week or the week before that it's called uh, Making Your Merch Work Now Quarantine Edition. Awesome. I'll, I'll link that up in the show notes. Yeah, that lists out all of those things that we talked awesome. about. Yeah. All right, cool. So uh, 
kind of non non rapid fire question time. Um, I like to do it at the end of the podcast. <laughs> what significant negative experience have you overcome, and what did it teach you? Oh Lord. <laughs> well, uh, so I'm going to be really transparent on this one. My initial development experience was a nightmare, and a lot of startup founders in technology will will tell you this because anybody that I've spoken to, apparently I'm not alone. And I just think that it's kind of inexcusable. <laughs> but mm. you really have to trust your gut on things when it comes to... So I came from a whole different world. I had a lot of business experience, but I did not have technology and development experience. So I put a lot of reliance in the initial developers that I used for MerchCat and they they didn't necessarily have my best interest mm. in mind. And I was dealing with delays and lack of communication and just feeling like they were driving me in a direction that I, or trying to drive me into a direction that I didn't want to go in that would ensure their viability mm. for the future and kind of like leave me broke. <laughs> Right. And I started to sense stuff early on, like my gut was like, okay, this isn't right. Like my business sense from the past and all of the experience that I had gained was screaming to me, like something's not right here. And then I would answer that with the other voice that said, well, this is a different industry. This is technology. Like maybe this is the way they do things. Well, it turns out that I was right. And mm. so you know, that experience taught me that I need to listen to my gut and mm -hmm. like all the knowledge that I've, I've accumulated over the years and, and brought to the table. Mm -hmm. So if something doesn't feel right, you definitely need to address it. And maybe you're wrong, maybe you're right, but you need to address it and like, and, and flush it out and see what's there? Like, why are you feeling this way? Like, you know, mm -hmm. definitely, definitely 100%, like give yourself some, some credit for what you're bringing to the table and ask those questions. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Yeah. And I think, especially when you're dealing with something that, uh, you know, uh, deals with money. I mean, if we learn anything from office space, it means someone could put a backend code in there to siphon off money. You know, so if you're working with a developer, I mean, right, right. And it's not, but it's not even just technology. I mean, I've, I've seen things happen with bands and record labels. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's the age old story or artists and managers. Like you have to ask those questions. And if you're not being, you're a client of these people, all of them. Mm -hmm. I was a client to the development team. Artists are a client to the label. They're a client to the manager. If something is not sitting right with you, open your mouth. Don't just mm -hmm. sit there and wait till it's a disaster and you're miserable and you've lost money and time. Like use, listen to your gut and like, and open your mouth. That's all I Absolutely. could say. Yeah. Great advice. So, and I think today, you know, we're, we're in the most, you know, arguably the most transparent time ever because you can videotape everything. You can, you know, contact anyone across the planet to say, hey, this guy's saying that's the way it is. Should I trust him? And you've got Facebook forums, you know, aplenty to ask people who's been in the same situation. Hey, does this make sense? You right. Know, and then, 
you know, right. everyone can say, no, <laughs> stay clear of that one. So, But also if people are getting defensive with you when you ask a question, right. there might be a reason why. <laughs> there might sure. be an underlying reason why. So I say, don't, you know, be relentless, dig deeper, mm-hmm. keep digging, <laughs> keep pushing yeah. them. Don't be yeah, afraid lo- to, I know that there's a lot of sensitivities about like, you don't want to piss people off. And it's, it's a, it's, it's something that I've learned over all my years of management and in my old life and, and dealing with personalities and stuff. You, you learn how to navigate it. Artists don't always have those sensibilities because they don't have that exposure, but there, there definitely is a way to kind of get what you want from people Mm -hmm. and, and talk to them like without putting them on the defensive and making them kind of come back at you. And, and part of that actually happens with addressing a problem as it's occurring rather than waiting till everything festers. And then as, as creative people, we're emotional and we Mm -hmm. let it build up and then we explode and then nobody wants to deal with that. So it's kind of like, trying to develop that little bit of business acumen and communication skills where you can take the emotion out of it. Mm-hmm. And I've had to learn this myself. It's like, take the emotion out of it and deal with the matters at hand in with facts. Mm-hmm. People can't argue with facts, right? right? They could argue with your emotion. You're upset. You're crazy. You're this, you're that. If you put facts in their face, it's a lot harder to argue with it. So absolutely. Cool. Thank you for that. Um, My sage advice. <laughs> so uh, flipping the question around, what major positive experience has given you the encouragement to follow this journey? I feel like once I entered the music realm, I started really paying attention to the signs in the universe when things are like in your face. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a choice to follow it or not follow it. And the more I followed it, the more doors opened for me. Like, again, it comes down to really being in touch with your gut and, and intuition and stuff. Um, And we all have that little bit of a sixth sense, but like, if you were just talking about, I'm going to give you an example, but if you were just talking about Rob Thomas to somebody like, Oh, I really idolize Rob Thomas. I would love to meet him. And Rob Thomas somehow appears or is that an event that you're at or appears like in front of you, you Mm. need to go talk to Rob Thomas. Like that's the universe answering you. And that's a really obvious one. It's the, it's not always that obvious, but so the positive thing for me was all of the doors that opened once I started to, trust those things. And you know what, if it didn't amount to anything or it didn't work out, then, you know, it's the old saying of nothing ventured, nothing gained. Like you're really not losing anything. Like what was the alternative of staying safe? Like staying safe doesn't help things evolve. You, you cannot Mm -hmm. stand still in life. You have to keep evolving. And in order to keep evolving, you need to keep moving and trying to capitalize on the things that come your way and really be uh, definitive about what you're going for in your head. So um, that was a whole kind of 
door opening for me. And then I started to meet more people that were akin to what I was doing. And I've just had some really, I've been lucky to have a lot of encouragement along the way. Like every time I, we all get discouraged at times, like Mm -hmm. everybody and, you know, including myself and the way that I kind of get around it um, is recognizing those little sparks of inspiration when they Mm. come. And if you pay attention hard enough, they're there. But, you know, sometimes it's a person like, I'll be like, I don't know why I'm doing this, you know, and then (laughs) I'll get an email randomly from an artist and, and it could be like, you know, like, thank you for everything you're doing. Or I just, I saw you two years ago at CD baby and now I'm ready. And like something will happen that keeps me going. So, um, but you, you have to be open to receiving those messages. We'll just put it that way without getting too like, (laughs) um, so that has been a positive experience for me really for the first time feeling like I'm, I'm where I'm supposed to be. Like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing with my life after all of those years of torturous accounting and, and wondering Mm -hmm. what I was doing, you know, there were financial rewards, but my soul was not happy and satisfied. Like I just always felt like there was something more, there was something more I was supposed to be doing something else, something more impactful. And, um, I'm, you know, no regrets. So. Killer. All right. So the final big question is what does music mean to you? Music is life. I mean, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I would, I, as soon as I wake up and then I still listen to terrestrial radio here because we actually have a great radio station. Mm -hmm. Um, but the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is I put the radio on. That's how I start my day. That's how, I end my day unless I'm watching TV. Um, I'm absorbing music all day long. It's ingrained in me. It has the power to change my mood. Um, and being, I've been asked the question before, like, well, why not just listen to it? Because I feel so strongly about it that I needed to be a part of it. And that was basically it. I mean, I, I don't want to say I would die without music, but I might. <laughs> the world would be a weird place without music. Yeah, I mean, if and it's more present than ever, but it's always been there. Background mm-hmm. music, soundtracks, even when they were just instrumental. Music has been driving things for as long as music has been around. I mean, even if you watch historical fiction, like back in way back the musicians were the entertainers like they would come in and play an instrument so it's it's a way to communicate with people it's something that we're all bound by but i think that was for me that was the thing that was missing was that i didn't connect i didn't have anyone really in my life that i connected with over music that felt mm. about music the way that i did so for me, it's just, it's part of who I am. It's always been ingrained in me. It just took me a while to kind of recognize what to actually do with that. But yeah, music sure. is life. All right. That's excellent. <laughs> so if uh, anyone wants to, uh, you know, contact you, find out what 
more about Merch Cat, about you, where can they find you? Uh, v, V as in Vanessa, <laughs> F-E-R-R-E-R at MerchCat.com, or you can go to MerchCat.com and just hit the contact link and it comes to me. Um, I'm on Instagram under merch underscore cat also on mm -hmm. Twitter under that same handle and on Facebook, it's just merch cat. And, um, yeah, awesome. that's it. I'm not giving out my phone number. <laughs> I, don't want I don't want text messages. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, Excellent. I always crack up at the, uh, like the text message, and I guess it works for some people, but the text message way of communicating when people are encouraging artists to send text messages, and now a lot of the retail companies want to contact you with a text message deal. I I don't like that. Mm. Maybe it's just me, but I don't want a thousand messages coming into my text message inbox. Yeah, and it, 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 it can be a pain. You know, I've, I've got like AutoZone on mine and, and stuff like that. But then on the other hand, it's very, very powerful because it's it's right there. People, yeah. You know, from from a from a selling point of view, it's it's extremely powerful, I think. But don't you think that it could get saturated just like email has gotten saturated with with people like blowing up your text inbox oh, yeah. like and, I, and I then think... and thereby being ignored? Right. The same way think, that you ignore an email. I think that's the danger of any. I mean, we're 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 a planet of you know almost eight billion people. I think saturation is is the number one difficulty that any business, no matter what it is, faces. It's getting in front of everyone else. So, and I, yeah. I honestly don't don't have too many. I you know I, I like get text messages for packages I'm waiting for, which I find useful. But I'm still, if it's something, you know, it's a new guitar pedal, I'm always checking the website anyway, even though I know I'm getting text messages. But uh, so uh, at the end of the show, I like to play a song um, by usually the artist I'm I'm uh, interviewing. Uh, do you have like a, an artist that you're working with that you want to give a shout out to? Yeah, um, I've been working most recently with a band named June Divided. And they're going to have some new music coming out soon. But definitely, I recommend that people check out their last record called Body Wars. Um, and specifically, a track that really uh, blew up and they uh, charted on Billboard for called Pluto. Awesome. All right, we'll play that. So it's been a great conversation. ton of really excellent information. Um, you know, give... Uh, continued success for the future and uh, you know definitely you. stay healthy thank you for having me i really hope you enjoyed this episode and got a great deal out of it let me know what you think on social media on instagram at metal doggy m-e-t-a-l-d-o-g-g-i-e and facebook facebook.com forward slash music on your own terms and finally if you're on linkedin check out my linkedin page which you can find at linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash music on your own terms. Keep pushing the needle and be excellent to each other. This is June Divided with Pluto. It's too bright And I'm trying not to cover my eyes Even shade 
Still cannot rely. 